Art is something we all admire or at least attempt to admire. For some, art brings joy. Others say it gives them the freedom to think and learn. And some say it balances the senses. But how many of us have delved deeper into the therapeutic values of art? Have we thought about art being used in therapy? In this episode of The Expert R, I'm happy to introduce Dr. Girja Kaimal, who leads studies examining art-based approaches to health among cancer caregivers, active duty military service members, and veterans. Dr. Girja's titles are long and illustrious, but I'm excited to speak with her about art and how she uses it in her line of work. Welcome, Girja. I cannot think of a better speaker or a more apt topic to discuss on this podcast. Thank you, Archana. I'm really, really happy to be here and to speak with you. Thank you. So let's begin with the questions for today. Could you please explain art therapy or more precisely what you constitute as art therapy? So art therapy is a mental health and human services profession, which really came to be in the mid 20th century in response to some of the limitations and challenges of traditional talk based therapies. So what art therapy does is helps us express and communicate aspects of ourselves that we might not always have words for. So, for example, it really began as a profession while helping soldiers who at that time we would call it shell shock uh, and we now know it as post-traumatic stress disorder. So soldiers from World War II who were really struggling were helped by art therapy, as were children in special needs schools, children with special needs who were unable to respond to traditional therapies and approaches. So how long have you been working in this field uh, where art is used as a therapeutic tool? And uh, could you cite an interesting or notable instance during the course of your work? So, you know, if I think about it, art has been a part of my life since even before I realized some of the therapeutic benefits. So I used to be quite sickly as a kid and I used to be home a lot from school and one of the ways in which I used to manage myself and my time was to make drawings. Okay. And then I would share those drawings with family members, you know, when they came home at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So in many ways, art has been a part of my life to process, you know, process emotions, you know, difficult emotions, joyous emotions. I've also used it as a thinking tool. So, you know, I, I doodle a lot. And sometimes when I'm struggling through a question or a problem at work or um, interpersonally, it helps me to draw it out because it literally gives you perspective, right? So when you draw or express yourself, it kind of comes out of your body and then it is this visual image that is mirrored back to you and it kind of gives you perspective literally and metaphorically. So you know, that's sort of the personal perspective. I've been working as an art therapist, an art therapy researcher since 1999. That's when I uh, started. That's a long time. It's a long time. But, you know, I've, I've done many other things in between. It's not like I've been doing it <laughs> continuously for 20 years. But 1999 was when I started my master's degree in art therapy. And the way it was set up was that uh, we had classes and I had internships and I've worked in a range of settings and mm -hmm. um, 
schools for uh, children with um, additional needs, alternative schools, psychiatric hospitals, an HIV AIDS clinic, community centers. So used it as a personal and professional tool now for almost 20 years. And well, personally for much, much longer than that. (laughs) And any interesting uh, instance that you can, you know, give us an example of someone that you worked with or something that you worked on, which was very notable or interesting? I worked in an HIV AIDS clinic uh, for some time in the early 2000s. And one of the sort of amazing things about visual art and visual representation is that people can derive different interpretations from it. An art form, unlike, say, words, where we are talking in a very linear way right now, where, you Mm -hmm. you know, I I string along words and you understand the sentence and there's a particular meaning to it. With visual images, you know, people can really project and derive meaning as they see. So, for example, I worked in this HIV AIDS clinic where we had a community progressive mural. So what that means is that there's a large piece of paper and art supplies, which was set up in the waiting room of this clinic. And patients, caregivers, uh, healthcare providers, anyone could contribute to this mural. And it's called a progressive mural because it keeps progressing. <laughs> Things keep it, getting it, added it, it to it. It keeps changing its form each day. Yeah, it, it transforms each yeah. day. And yeah, yeah. Um, so... I was doing this internship here and I was working here. I would show up every week and I would see new additions to it all the time. And it was fascinating to me because it was almost like the interactions and events of the clinic were being sort of inadvertently documented in this mural. So Hmm. people were sort of sending messages to each other. There were ideas. There was informal feedback. There were requests, things that people might not always have said in person or felt comfortable saying in person. So this became like this really active community space. You know, you would think, what is a piece of paper on a wall and some art supplies going to do? But it really kind of engaged and became a focal point for that clinic. And I was really, really happy and surprised to see that. I mean, so Surprised and also not surprised because, you know, you and I know what art can do for us. It's always exciting to see it transform uh, lives in person. And it's wonderful that, you know, it's so interactive, like you so precisely pointed out now. It is so interactive and you can perceive it in so many different ways by interacting with art as you do. So coming to my next question, is there one or any particular types of art that you focus on when you work with people or groups? One of the sort of principles of art therapy is that we are all artists, right? And if you define artistry as the capacity to imagine and the capacity to express that which you imagine, this is a sort of well-established fact of the human species. We are a species and we've kind of come to dominate the earth because of our capacity to imagine and problem solve and create in ways that other species and other animals cannot. So this is a defining feature of who we are. I feel sad often when I hear, and I hear this a lot from patients, mm. clients, study participants who will be like, oh, I'm not creative, or I'm not imaginative, or mm. I haven't drawn or made anything since I was in school. And I I, <laughs> I want to say, this is the defining characteristic of your species. So <laughs> do not be thinking you're not creative or imaginative. We apply our imagination in any number of ways. That said, different art media require different levels of skill to feel competent in it. So watercolor, for example, is a highly skilled enterprise. You cannot fix things in watercolor. So you have to sort of know what you're doing or not care. (laughs) Then you can really enjoy it. One of the things we do as art therapists is 
offer media that help people express themselves in fe- ways that feel authentic to their experience. So very often I'll start with what are called structured media, things like pencils or collage materials, yeah. things that give you a sense of control over the media and then steadily move into materials that require some more skill perhaps or some more experience in order to feel competent or confident in using it. I work a lot with, you know, people who are going through chronic illness or chronic stress mm-hmm. and I try to make sure that the expressive experience is something that helps them feel a sense of control on in an otherwise overwhelming series of life experiences. So for example, with cancer patients or caregivers, it's an overwhelming existential and, you know, chronic stressful experience. So I use the art time not to add to the stress, but to help manage, negotiate and process the experience in a way that people feel more confident and feel more empowered by the end of it. With groups of people like this, you wouldn't choose to use a medium like clay to work on a pottery wheel or something like that. Probably not to start right away because Mm. pottery is such an incredibly frustrating um, uh, experience. So unless you have, you know, if you're easily frustrated and anxious, that is probably not the place to start. That said, there's, you know, there's many different ways we can work with pottery that where you will, you can feel successful and you can Mm. feel expressive. And really like the purpose of art therapy is also to use ex- every expressive experience to learn something. So say you're working in a clay studio well, and you're frustrated. Why are you frustrated? You know, why ha- was this experience difficult? Um, what did you learn about yourself? Uh, you know, do you always need to have something, a beautiful finished product? You know, where did we get that message? So everything becomes about learning from the process rather than focusing on this beautiful final product. And it's it's so often that we skip all these stages and processes that we're actually experiencing as we're creating something. We just mm-hmm. look at where we start and where we end and we forget right. everything that's in between. And that's right. the way you're expressing it is so amazing. <laughs> and you got it. You know, that's exactly it. Like as a society, we are so focused on the final product. And I yeah. think it's almost worst in visual arts because we have such high standards for what qualifies as a beautiful piece of work like we do not put that kind of pressure on ourselves when we go for a walk or a run like we don't expect ourselves to be olympic runners and walkers but somehow we expect extraordinary outcomes in visual expression and i feel like my mission in life is to (laughs) tell people you know do what you need to do do the things you enjoy don't worry so much about the final product i think your advice is so apt right now (laughs) (laughs) but I'll move on to the next question or we'll continue discussing different things so Uh um, while much of your research or what I've read of it has test groups creating art have you also worked with groups of people who have only viewed art and yet gathered similar results from those types of groups a lot of actually research in arts and health has been around viewing things so Mm. 
I'll give you an example of one of our studies where we were looking at leadership development and artistic practices. Mm. So we had people who were studying to be school leaders in the US in different school systems. Uh, and by school leaders, I mean principals, assistant principals, vice principals, those kind of roles in really difficult schools. So schools that were going to have children with high needs and, you know, areas in, with high poverty. So the aim of this study and the program was to equip leaders with uh, the ability to see things creatively, problem solve creatively. So they would attend performances, uh, dance performances, music performances, go to a museum, because each art form actually is a metaphor, right? It's a metaphor for the human experience. So one particular part of this study slash program was to take principals to a museum. So we went to the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York. And the group was asked to view a particular painting. And there were about 40 people in this group. And every and they had to view it and they had to make a quick kind of doodle sketch of it. Okay. So everybody went, you know, everybody stood in different places and drew a doodle. And I cannot tell you how sort of impactful it is to have 40 drawings of one painting laid out for everyone to see, again, both literally and metaphorically, that even while looking at the same thing, we all see something different. Just by virtue of where we are standing, what we notice, you know, and what we notice is highly dependent on how we were raised, what things are important to us, who we are as individuals, our age, our gender, our socioeconomic background, all these things kind of shape what we see. So even in the very same painting, everyone sees something different. And what a tremendous lesson to take away right? That each of us is really viewing the world from our unique perspective. And sometimes that aligns with others and sometimes it doesn't. And isn't that both beautiful and frightening <laughs> and also fascinating, right? Um, so that is one example. And I love to share that to highlight the sort of individuality and possibility that even something as static as a painting can evoke in the viewer. It's amazing the things art can do for a person if you actually think or if you actually just ponder on what you're yeah. looking at. The results right. are really mind-blowing. So coming to the one who's creating all this beautiful art, the artist, mm -hmm. do you think artists are constructed differently from regular people as they are constantly exposed to art and are always creating something new? Should this naturally translate to them being less stressed out than other people or, you know, slightly different? Um, I think that's a good question. So there is research that shows that in any discipline, uh, experts operate at a different level or, or no, I wouldn't say different level. Experts operate in a different way compared okay. to novices. So anyone who's new to a field or a area of functioning is going to use different brain areas than mm -hmm. someone who's an expert. So an expert, for example, operates a lot more intuitively and using many more of the inner brain unconscious processes compared to someone who is a novice. So a novice is going to use more of what we call executive functioning and um, higher order brain functioning because they're really sort of thinking, planning, trying to learn. So the same thing applies in um, artists as well. So someone who's learning to draw 
is going to try and pay attention and work in a very intentional way to learn different methods, to learn different techniques compared with someone who has been doing it for years and years. So it mm. sort of is a faster processing experience. There's all, there are also studies that show that artists sort of notice things uh, differently than experienced artists compared to someone who hasn't done as much. You know, I feel grateful every day that I have an expressive tool, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure, you know, I think as long as you enjoy an activity, you are going to get benefits from it. So if you enjoy the process and you're really attentive to the sensory experiences and what it means to you and, you know, the materials you use, whether you make it as a gift for someone or you make it as something for your home and then you sort of see it and are reminded of the time you make it. Mm -hmm. I think the intentionality and the experience can make it valuable for anyone, whether or not you are approaching it as an artist. That's beautifully said. (laughs) And, uh, well, we're surrounded by digital art these days. Some very unconventional, some completely off the block, things that you never would have actually imagined or perceived, whatever has been in your mind as art. So what is your opinion on digital art and how does this genre work for your research and study? I feel like, you know, digital media are a part of our life now, right? And they have been for a few decades now. I still kind of think back to like the 80s and 90s when there was nothing, Mm -hmm. you know, and I tell my kids, oh, we used to go to a STD booth and like we used to make long distance calls and they're like an STD booth. (laughs) What is that? It's it's, and, you know, like my kids have cell phones now. All these things are unimaginable that yeah. there was a time before computers yeah. or there was a time before the Internet. So digital media are part of our life. Our, you know, do you remember we used to have cameras and films and yes. that disappeared and now everything is on our phones. Um, so in a sense, we are interacting with digital media all the time with our phone photos, filters, all of that. That said, I also work with uh, virtual reality as a medium. Mm-hmm. So we've done a few studies on art making in virtual reality and what that's like for participants. And there's there's some unique benefits to digital media that are make it different. So, for example, in digital media, you can undo things pretty easily, mm, right? Correct. So you can't undo things in watercolor. You can't undo things in, I mean, you can undo in some way. You can paint over, you can erase, but you can't, you know, the marks are always there. You can't yes. really undo in the physical world. But in the digital world, you can. You can go back in time. You can go forwards. You can uh, revise, edit, and in for a lot of people who might, you know, who get anxious or are perfectionist, digital media offers them an out. In virtual reality, we find that it also takes people into this new space, into this new sort of immersive environment that takes them out of their reality. And a lot of people find that energizing. A very small minority find it uh, disorienting, but most people find it energizing and exciting. It's almost sort of existential because many of the sort of laws of physics and gravity and solidity of objects, all those things uh, don't hold true in digital media. So it can be a way to really reflect and engage with art in a different way. There's also the whole new trend of NFTs, non-fungible. Mm-hmm 
tokens, as you might have heard of. Yeah. There's a lot of junk out there too. <laughs> but again, you know, again, it's it's just all these like exciting new worlds to explore. And um, some people are really drawn to it and others, uh, others less so. I really believe there's no right or wrong. You know, you Absolutely. really, you should engage with whatever excites you, intrigues you, and helps you sort of learn more about yourself, learn more about the world. And isn't that what art should do? Absolutely. And like you so rightly say, life today has just become about, you know, learning and loving everything that you do just at this moment of time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for these wonderful, wonderful uh, experiences that you've shared and all this information that you've given us. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Oh, a pleasure. These are such great questions. I so enjoyed talking with you and amazing work. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Take care, Rachna.